This is the FM Gold channel of All India Radio in the program Country Wide. Tonight we bring you an interview with Dr. V K Paul, member Niti Aayog. The interviewer is Ridhima Kaul, journalist. So today we will be talking about National Medical Commission bill. Sir, it has been hailed as a revolutionary bill which I mean health minister also in the parliament he has said that it is going to revolutionize medical education in a big way. So then what is stopping it from passing? I mean it has been in the making if we can say for long now. What do you think are the impediments? Well, it took long because we are looking at very dramatic and a very major change in the regulatory space. of something as important as medical education which is at the heart of healthcare and health services and you are talking about regulatory arrangement to be replaced by another arrangement and therefore it is a statute that required discussions required in depth understanding and therefore it went through for many iterations and public had interest in this there were inputs sought from the stakeholders and then parliamentary subcommittee went through the recommendations went through the various clauses and details of the bill so it is an iterative process so that when the nation makes this decision through the parliament it is well thought out and it is in the larger and a bigger interest of the people of india and why do you think there is so much resistance right now we have medical bodies students we have indian medical association who has its own reservations against the bill so do you think it's all justified yeah. at this moment i think uh, at this moment don't think it's justified anymore i think it's a matter of communicating the entirety of the intent as well as the provisions of the act the proposed act so to say there are concerns from the health professionals which related to the issue of their participation we were replacing a totally elected body with you know a body which is nominated plus it's a mix it's a hybrid body and when you move like this and the constituency which was filling the whole space of uh, governance mm-hmm. of that system is now being proportionately reduced and therefore that reaction would come but the point is such a change was required because the previous formulation in the eyes of the the parliament if you look at the parliamentary mm-hmm. committee in the eyes of the expert group set up by the ministry of health and in the public domain seem not to have been serving the purpose in a full sense as per the expectations and the needs and the progress that was required in this domain and the judgment that comes from such exalted reports and considered view and therefore it was felt that the participation of the elected representative should be less it should be a mix of experts and a new way of doing things in a more contemporary way was envisaged it was an old act anyway because the previous system apparently did not succeed as per the views expressed by important bodies like parliamentary committee itself and then supreme court observation then and so on and so forth so what needs to be communicated is that ultimately all our regulatory processes all our bills all our acts are meant for larger public good and if you see through that filter then i think the professional associations and medical fraternity should really should not have any objection or any concern about the larger role that this body will play because now it is a mixture of the profession it's also the vice chancellors it's also nominated experts and it is 20 of them 24 of them would be doctors so profession is reflected in a slightly different way also remember that when we were having a fully elected body then the participation of the elected professional was largely coming from the private sector and so council the, was yeah it was mm. an anomaly mm. because when we are talking about medical education 
there must be a participation, a due participation of other constituencies okay. such as the academics, such as the universities and such as other experts in their own right. So I think in the wisdom, all the people, ultimately the stakeholders bring together based on the draft design, which is a hybrid where the various constituencies are in a balanced way represented. So the concerns from the profession to say that the participation has not been optimum is to begin with. See it in the context of the entirety. I think this is not terrible. Right. And that brings me to my next question, which I was actually thinking. How genuine is the fear that, you know, the government is going to control this whole commission? Because that is one of the points of contention that these people have, that, you know, ultimate say would be of the government. Well, you must appreciate that a medical education is on the concurrent list. So the union government has a rightful role. Secondly, the constitution of the National Medical Commission envisages autonomous board, which will take most of the decisions are not with the with a full house, so to say, but they are crafted and configured in the four boards, namely the one board for the undergraduate education mm -hmm. to promote and bring about standards of undergraduate education, the postgraduate board likewise, and then you have an assessment and accreditation board which looks at quality assurance and so on, and then one which is related to ethics and the Indian medical mm -hmm. registers, you know, those professional issues. So these are independent boards. They are a mix of, again, one representative from the profession and other four people in each one of these, typically five. They take decisions. And then there is a full house, which is aided by an advisory group. And then, of course, the appeal for the NMC lies with the Ministry of Health. And then, of course, there is a judicial review. Now, the way this has been developed is that there is a full autonomy for the commission to perform the connect with the government is largely through that appeal mechanism. And of course, government always has the power to give directions in the larger mm -hmm. interest. I mean, that applies to any institution that the government creates. But other than that, there is no control. Because once the members nominated, they mm -hmm. are at liberty to create their own path within the Act and to deliver on the expectations and the mandate given in the Act. So government will only have a supervisory role to well, a large extent. Because it is an arm of the of mm. the national government, yes, indeed, in that sense. And as I said, mm. they also serve as an appellate forum where the decision of the NMC, the NMC as a whole, is would be presented for an alternate uh, view. Dr. Paul, what about next? That suddenly has garnered a lot of interest, you know, in the student fraternity as well as in the doctors. I would say this was a much-needed reform. And mostly people think... And it has come at the right time. In fact, even in the Board of Governance, we have deliberated upon this idea more than once and trying to figure out whether we can do it with confidence within the regulatory mandate and the statutory mandate of the BOG itself. Mm. Broadly thought that no, you need a law for it to be effective. And that also comes from the fact that when NEET was introduced, yes, the entrance yeah. exam, we made an amendment mm. in the IMC Act. Mm. And therefore, it seemed to us very clear that if this is to be taken to implementation, taken to be to its existence, then the best course is that it should be enshrined in the statute. Well, we made it mandatory. And therefore, it is a, the right thing that mm. it has become a part of the Act. And it is emphatic, it is clear that we are now talking about one exam in the country, mm. one nation, one exit exam. What does the exit exam represent? It represents the final filter through which the medical graduates from all our medical colleges and institutions pass through in terms of being 
capable as judged through that examination. It is the quality check. It is uniform. It is standard. And its standard can be ensured because we are looking at one particular gate through which all the graduates have to pass. So it has great importance because it ensures that A, we aspire in all medical colleges to reach a certain agreed standard of medical education. Number two, it also ensures that the variations in the college systems, public and private, old and the new, ultimately in terms of their performance, ultimately move in the direction of optimization and higher quality assurance. It also provides opportunity for students to judge for themselves where to target their efforts and the parents and the future students where to target their efforts in terms of going and learning because you could distinguish the ones which the colleges that perform better than others. Therefore, and also it is globally very relevant. Now, the U.S. has a similar test called the USMLE, which oh. all the graduates, okay. all the students have to undertake, whether oh. they come from Harvard or they come from State Medical College in mm -hmm. Miami. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, you pass through a filter and say, okay, we certify you that you are competent for the needs that are expected, in needs uh, that are expected, and the competency that we expect you to have. There are, we have different colleges in the sense that India is a vast, it's a huge country. So different medical colleges, different ways of teaching, different, if you say, the grip over a particular language, for example. So do you think one test will suffice in a way? Won't it be like unfair to some? Why should it be unfair? Because medical education mm -hmm. and medical competence is about making a great diagnosis and making right decisions and implementing the right clinical decisions. It is not recalling facts. It is about high-level intellectual activity in terms of thinking and making decisions and then through skills being able to to implement the decision, whether it's communication, whether it's counseling, whether it's surgery or prescribing medicines. So it's a mix of high-level knowledge, skills and behavioral component. It put as one. Now, all the graduates, all the doctors of our nation have to have certain level of these three types of competences. And what better way of achieving it than through looking at the outcomes rather than saying how you teach because it doesn't matter how you teach. Individual students have individual preference to learn. And in today's time, its choices are many, many in terms of the technology and the information flow and so on and so forth. It doesn't matter how my individual style is different from the other one and how a college moves slightly different from the other colleges. So having one exam actually allows us to take somewhat different paths of learning Having flexibility, which could be more intense in some colleges, more liberal in other colleges, so long as the students end up being competent doctors. And therefore, this is a huge step. This will enable us to be a part of the, you know, uh, those uh, nations which uh, are very proud about uniform standards across a large country like ours. Mm -hmm. You see, our many colleges of our institute, of our great nation have made a big name. Doctors from India have made big names. But then, is it the same in all the 529 medical colleges? The point is, it is not. So this will drive us toward 
raising the standard and quality of medical education and quality of the skills and knowledge and the attitudes of the doctors of tomorrow. The problem that they have been pointing out is that the community health providers, right, who yeah. have been given limited access to practice, there's a provision in the bill. So they probably are saying that it's the backdoor entry of the bridge course that didn't make it to the final cut. So do you think it's unfair? So firstly, the bridge course is a passe. Mm. It's out and that's something had a rational, but now that's not on the agenda. But we must remember that the health care is delivered by teams. In that team, other members of the team, which means nurses, the allied professionals, community health workers, community health providers, they all have their own role cut out. This role does not reduce the role of the all other categories or those of the doctors. In fact, it allows us to use the doctor strategically for something which is higher in terms of skills and decision-making and in terms of knowledge and in terms of complexity of the issues that we wish to address. What we have said in the, in the proposed bill is that community-level workers in the primary health care setting can prescribe, can suggest treatment using designated medicines for designated conditions. Now, diarrhea in a child can be treated and should be treated by an, you know, a community health worker, an A&M or a mid-level provider or even an ASHA worker. And the treatment comprises continuing feeding, use of oral rehydration solution and ingestion of zinc tablets and the fourth element, referral if the child becomes sick, feeling the sign. Now, these four principles can be easily imparted by an Anganwadi worker or a nurse or a mid-level provider. It doesn't need a doctor. Why should we ask our nation to get treatment for diarrhea of these four principles to be only done by the doctors? These are the same very four principles the A&M would impart in, in an interaction in a sub-center faced with a child brought by the mother. No different. That you are saying, okay, doctors need not be the only ones to be providing primary care elements. Mm -hmm. And that is in a way, something which will promote positive health, which will increase access of healthcare closer to people. And bring down so, numbers. And yet, it will happen within the confines of safety, with due training, and only for those conditions that will be tackled there, and maybe up to the first line of medication and so on. Thank you so much, Dr. Paul. You were listening to an interview with Dr. V.K. Paul, member Niti Ayog. The interviewer was Ridhima Call, journalist. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website, newsonair.com. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com.